All right, so if you have your Bibles, I want you to find Matthew chapter 7, Matthew 7, and then we're going to look in Luke chapter 6, verses 37. That was Matthew chapter 7, and then Luke chapter 6, verse 37. The first lesson we're going to talk about this morning is it's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Matthew chapter 7, while you're finding those, uh, there was a mother uh, of two boys who was preparing breakfast for them. She was cooking pancakes, and so uh, Kevin was five, Ryan was three, and they began to argue over who was going to get the first pancake. So the mom thought, wow, this is a great opportunity for me to teach my sons a lesson. So the, the mother sat them both down and said, if Jesus was sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. And so Kevin, the oldest, looked at his youngest brother and said, you be Jesus. (laughs) Look at your neighbor and say, it's all about the heart. All about the heart. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, it's a familiar passage of scripture. And I want us to focus on it because there is also a parallel verse in Luke chapter 6 that I'm going to turn to that we're familiar with as well. But it says, judge not that you be not judged. Verse 2 says, for with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you again. Now, let me ask you a question. Did you hear the word or see the word money in that verse? No word money in that verse. Now, because I want you to compare this verse to Luke chapter 6, I want us to to commit to short-term memory this verse. So I want you to repeat after me. Say, judge not, and you will be not judged. Let's say that again. Say, judge not, and you will not be judged. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, in Luke chapter 6, let's read verse 37. And then we're going to read the latter part of verse 38. Verse 37 in Luke chapter 6 says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Notice it says, Judge not, for you shall not be judged. Look in the latter verse in verse 38. For with the same measure that you use, it will be what? Measured back to you again. Here's my question. Does Luke chapter 6 sound like Matthew chapter 7? Absolutely. Now, the difference between Luke chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 7 is the middle verse that most people have heard about, and we're going to read it. I'm going to read now verse 37, and we'll keep reading. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be what? Forgiven. Watch verse 38 now. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your what? Bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, did you see the word money in those verses? Now, I do understand that anytime you and I give, by principle, we're going to get back more than what we gave. In other words, if you put a, 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 a apple seed in the ground, if you put one in the ground and you get three apples back, you have gotten more than what you gave. Do you agree? 
So the principle of give and it shall be given is in here. But the context of this was judgment, forgiveness, and condemnation. And you say, well, why are you bringing that up? Because the focus of the context is talking about the heart. Why? Because we judge from the heart. We condemned or feel condemned from the heart. And we also forgive from the heart. If you notice the word forgive has the word give in it. For means I'm for or pro and give means to give. And this is why most people who have a difficult time forgiving people is because they have a hard time giving to people. Amen. Now, many times when we hear Luke chapter 6, it's almost in reference every time to giving or money. And even though the principle is good, I want us to see that the whole context of this was about our heart. And this is where we have to start when it comes to the blessed life. You have to start with your heart because the Bible says out of the uh, out of our heart flows the issues of life. And here's the thing. God doesn't look at the outside like we do. He looks at the heart. You can write down first Samuel 16, seven. It says, for the Lord sees not as man sees for man looks on the outward appearance. But the Lord looks on the heart. And the average person, when it comes to giving to God, watch this, we tend to start with how much money we have or we don't have. We tend to start with if we have a good job or if we don't have a good job. We tend to start with what our bills are or what our bills are not. But when it comes to giving with God, you can't start with what your hand does. You have to start with where your heart is. Amen. Now let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy chapter 15. We're going to look in verse 7. And we're going to kind of stay in this particular verse because I believe it outlines what our heart attitude should be when it comes to giving toward God. Watch this. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Look in verse 7. It says, If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which your, the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your what class? He said, once you see a poor person, he says, do not harden your what? Your heart, nor shut your hand from the, from your poor brother. Notice now that the heart comes before the actions of the hand. Uh, uh, because many people they're struggling giving to God. Oh, I'm having a hard time in giving a tenth part of my income to God. And what they're focused on is their hand, but what they really need to be focused on is their heart. See, Jesus put it like this, where your treasure is, is where you're going to find your, your heart. Amen. He says in verse 8, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him Sufficient for his need, whatever his needs be. Amen. Uh, in other words, he was saying, when you run across someone who is poor, give to them willingly. And he said, do it from a willing heart. 
a couple of weeks ago, one of the members came up to me and said, Pastor Evan, uh, I'm really struggling with tithing. I've been a, I struggled all my life tithing. And they told me about a story last year how the company was giving 2% raises out. And they said, Lord, I don't want a 2% raise. If you'll bless me with more than 10% uh, of a raise, I'll start tithing. Well, everybody else got 2%. They got 12 Well, they came and said, Pastor Evan, I still can't give my tithe. Well, don't say wow, because you like that too. So they asked me a question. They said, Pastor Evan, what's wrong with me? I said, well, let's go through the blessed life to see. And one of the things that they have to look at, just like you and I have to look at, is we have to look at our heart. Many times we've given Jesus our heart for salvation, but we haven't given Jesus our heart for our money. Amen. So here's the first point that I want you to write down. I only have four points that are real simple this morning. And that is, we must, in order for us to become givers like God, we must deal with a selfish heart. We must deal with a selfish heart. Now look in verse 9 of Deuteronomy. Look in verse 9. He says, Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Notice now, wickedness starts in the heart. Saying, the seventh year, the year of release is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. Now, notice, first of all, God references selfishness to sin and wickedness. But let me just explain what what happened. Back in those days, God had instituted a financial program called the year of release. And so every seven years, whatever debts were out there, they had to be released. So if you owed somebody some money and you had not fully paid it back by the seventh year, at the seventh year, whoever you owed the money to had to release you of that debt. How many would like to reinstitute that right now? Praise the Lord. Well, what was going on is God was trying to help his people. He said, listen. When you run across one of your poor brothers and they come to you and ask you for a loan, he says, don't harden your heart and say, oh, man, the year of release is coming. What he was saying is, let's say now we're in year six and a half and this guy comes up to you for a loan and the amount of money that he's trying to borrow will not be paid back in six months. And if it ain't paid back in six months, remember what happens in the seventh year. It's the year of release. And so what was happening, some of the people was like, well, I'm not going to lend him no money because you know, I'm not going to get it back in six months, so I'm not going to give it. And that's what God was saying to them. He says, do not harden your heart when it comes to your brethren. Amen. And selfishness is the biggest key or what I feel God's biggest enemy is. Amen. God wants to change us from being greedy and being selfish and being takers into being grateful givers. Amen. Generous people are happy for the most part. You show me a stingy person and I'll show you a person who's always mad. You're always mad. 
They mad that they didn't make enough money. They mad that somebody didn't pay them back. They're mad. They're just mad. Life owes them something. People who tend to be greedy and selfish and stingy are typically unhappy people. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why did God create giving? Why did he create giving? Because it's not like he needs it. I mean, it's not like, you know, the end of the month is coming and the TXU electric bill is due in heaven. And God's, you know, looking around and looking, talking to the angels. Hey, you got some money? You got some money? You got some money? Well, I tell you, y'all ain't got no money. Let me call my people down there on earth. Earth to heaven. Earth from heaven. We need an electricity bill. Send some money up here. God is not short of money at all. You know why God created giving? He created giving for us. Because let me tell you what giving will do. It will rid you of selfishness and greed. Can I get a better amen from the church? And I believe that it grieves God's heart when his children, all we hear is get. When what he's trying to do is get us to give. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about he's trying to give, get you to give to your marriage. That's why it's in bad shape right now, because you have stopped giving. I'm talking about give of a good attitude. Listen, right now, some of you are being known at work as the, as, as, uh, 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 what's that Grover what, uh, in Sesame Street? What was that puppet name that was, how y'all, y'all Oscar. Some of y'all are known as Oscar at, at, at work. Because you're always in a bad mood. God is trying to get you to give of a better attitude. But you can't give when your heart is not where it needs to be. And here's the sad thing. When most people, including preachers, when preachers use Luke 6.38, they're referencing money. Not a problem. But the problem is when giving is motivated by getting you will eventually stop giving because you have start getting. I mean, can you imagine it says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press down, shake down, shall me and give it to my bosom. And God's up there going, boy, my people are getting the, re- re- the revelation on getting. See, here's the thing. If when you give, the motivation is getting then what's going to happen when you get what you were giving for? You're going to stop giving. And that's why I'm answering some questions right now in some hearts of you. Because some of you are used to give to the Lord and you've stopped. You say, well, why? It's because whatever you were giving for, you got it or you didn't get it. And because you did or didn't, you stopped giving. That's why, listen, you don't give to get, you give to give. I have this revelation. That's why on three of my license plates, one says giver, one says live to give, and one says give to live. It doesn't say give to get. Amen. So I want to give you a take-home thought real quick, a take-home thought. You can write it down if you want to. Our motivation for accumulation should be for distribution and not consumption. I'm going to say that again. Our motivation for accumulation, in other words, our motive for getting more 
should be for distribution, giving out, and not consumption. Amen. And the reason that you and I must deal with a selfish heart is because we were born selfish. I mean, some of the first words other than mama or daddy that children learn is mine. 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 Mine, mine, mine. Come on now, you ever had some neighbor's kids over and your kids, they're playing? And your kid got all these toys. And the neighbor next door little boy picks up a toy and your kid goes, mine, 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 mine. I was playing with that. And so the neighbor kid go to another toy and he picks this one up and your kid come over there. I, I was playing with that too. Mine. And so what we have to teach our kids is how to share. But here's the thing. It's hard to teach your kids what you have not learned. Now, I will say this, ladies. <laughs> there is an area of selfishness that men never grow out of. We don't like sharing our food. You know, a couple of weeks ago, my wife reached in my plate and, you know, I started getting an attitude. She was like, it's been 22 years. You have not let it go yet. I mean, she is going to reach into my plate. She has the same plate that I have. The same food. She even fixed the plate. But for some reason, my plate looks better and she wants to eat out of my plate. I mean, we go through the drive-thru. We was at Wendy's one time going through the drive-thru. Baby, you want something? And most ladies... Say, no. And as soon as the bag comes out, you want to reach your hand in the bag. I would have bought you two french fries. No, I don't want you to eat my french fries. And the fries that fall in the bag, I want those too. Just look at your spouse and say, you need to deal with a selfish heart. <laughs> so for us to become generous people like God is, we must first deal with a selfish heart. Here's number two. We must deal with a grieving heart. We must deal with a grieving heart. Deuteronomy 15, look in verse 10. Deuteronomy 15, 10. You shall surely give to him, and your heart, watch this, should not be grieved when you give to him, because, watch this, for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand, for the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your, to your poor and your needy in your land. If you notice here, he told them, well, listen, once you deal with a selfish heart and give to him, don't let your heart be grieved. 
So listen, if you notice, selfishness attacks us before we give. And then grief attacks us after we give. How many have uh, given a big sum of money to church or committed to a big amount like toward our project or something? Or, Or you started tithing for the first time and you give that tithe check and then you go home and something breaks. And the devil says, see, you shouldn't have gave that money to that church over there. That's a grieving heart. Amen. That's what happened to the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10. The Bible says he came to Jesus and said, hey, what do I must do to get eternal life? And Jesus go through all the different commandments and he says, I've, I know those. And then in, uh, uh, in the last verse he says, and Jesus told him, you know what? Sell all you have, take up, give it to the poor, come and follow me. And the Bible says he was grieved as he went away. Why? Because selfishness attacks us before we give. Grief attacks us after we give. Amen. You know, sometimes when I'm up here preaching, uh, random thoughts might come to my mind. Some of them I know are God and some of them ain't got nothing to do with God. See, like right now, the random thought is I'm I'm, going to go eat after service, but I don't have no money on me. (laughs) How many know what I'm talking about? You're going to eat after service? Oh, $100. I'm going to start expressing my thoughts more often. (laughs) Thank you. Get some fries on the way. Now, honestly, you know why he gave that money so fast? Because I gave it to him before the service. Ain't nobody going to get up that fast to give you a hundred dollars. Now, it was my hundred dollars that I gave him to give to me. Now, he's not grieving over giving my hundred. You're not grieving, are you? He's not grieving because it was his hundred dollars. Because it was my hundred dollars. So why do you and I grieve after we give to God? It's because we view what we gave to God as ours. Amen. See, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And all that's in it. Amen. So... When you and I give, the only reason we grieve is because we thought it was ours. When you couldn't even go to work if God didn't give you no breath. Amen. So now let's deal with the last, the third, the third point. After we deal with the uh, a selfish heart, and then we got to deal with a grieving heart, we now must develop a generous heart. We must develop a generous heart. In Deuteronomy 15, I'm going to look now in verse 14. See, a generous heart must be developed. It's something that you and I must learn to do. Verse 14 says, you shall supply him, talking about the poor, liberally from your flock, 
from your threshing floor and from your winepress. For what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Notice it says, for what the Lord has blessed you with, you give to him. In other words, the only reason I'm able to give to someone is because the Lord has blessed me with what I'm giving them. We must develop a generous heart. Go back to Luke chapter 6. Go back to Luke chapter 6. We're going to look in verse 30 now. Luke chapter 6 verse 30. We must develop a generous heart. It says now in verse 30. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who take away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them. Verse 32. But if you love those who love you, what credit do you have? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit do you have? For sinners even do the same. And if you lend to those with whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive much back. But you love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. Why? Because He's a generous God. For He is kind, watch this, to the unthankful and the evil. The Bible says God causes the rain to fall on the just and even on the unjust. Verse 36, therefore be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. He is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. That was us. You know, the Bible says when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ did not die after we got our life together. He died whether we would get our life together or not. There are people that die every day and go to hell when the ticket to hell has been paid for. Can you imagine how Jesus feels when he sees a person go to hell when he's given his life for them to go to heaven? Amen. Generosity comes from a heart that has conquered selfishness and has conquered grief. In other words, you have to learn to start, begin to be generous, and you just have to start with where you are. When I got this revelation years ago, I, in fact, about four years ago, I was uh, in Dallas. I was buying a suit, and uh, I came outside, and there was a guy who was kind of looking homeless and came up to me and said, uh, Sir, I need a dollar and 50 cents to, to finish my, to buy a bus pass. He says, Could I get a dollar and 50 cents? And uh, I thought to myself, this is a good time to teach this guy a lesson. So uh, I gave him $5. And he says, well, I don't have change. I said, well, I don't need change. You can have the $5. And he says, well, well, well thank you. And then I jerked the $5 out of his hand. I did. I jerked it out of his hand. And then I gave him $10. And he says, uh, you know, why did you do that? I said, well, sir, how many of your friends that you know can't afford a bus pass? Because typically people hang out together. Homeless people hang out with homeless people. You don't see homeless people hanging out with Donald Trump? <laughs> I knew he had some friends that couldn't afford a bus pass. I said, so don't you have friends that don't have bus pass money? He says, yes. I say, so now I have not just given you money for you to buy your bus pass. 
but I have given you enough money for you to help somebody else buy them a bus pass. And then I gave you some extra money in your pocket so that you could have it for you and for you to be a blessing. See, that's what generosity is about. It's not about what I'm doing. It's about who I'm doing it for. Everybody say a generous heart. And then here's number four. We're closing right here. We must develop a grateful heart. See, a generous heart is just one that has learned and cultivated giving. And as we go through this series, God's going to begin to put a generous heart inside of you. Because some of you all, what I'm going to pray for at the end, you need a spiritual heart transplant. Your struggle is not tithing. Your struggle is your heart. Your, Your struggle is not your spouse. Your struggle is your heart. Your struggle is not your boss. It's your heart. Have you ever blessed somebody and they talked about you after, they, after you blessed them? Sounds like a lot of y'all, huh? I have blessed people. And then they turn around and dog me out. One time I, I, uh, I church blessed someone. And they dog me out. I mean, dog me. You wouldn't have thought that I even blessed them. But I mean, I, I blessed them and they dog me out. And uh, Lisa Fuller came to me and said, Pastor, people just know you're giving hard. And they just, I, I just think they take advantage of that. I said, Lisa Fuller, you can't take advantage of a giver. You can't, you can't take advantage of a giver because it wasn't what you did or didn't do that made me give anyway. See, if you start looking at what, what, you know, how the person acted or what they did to determine if you're going to give, you're going to have a clogged up giver. You're going to be a clogged up giver. No, 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 no. My giving is not conditional. It's not based on what you did or didn't do because God doesn't give that way. God is not a conditional giver. When he gives, he gives. And so I've learned that it doesn't matter. You didn't take advantage of me because I'm a giver. So we must deal, here's the last one, with and develop a grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15, 15, as we close right here. Deuteronomy 15, 15. He says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. And therefore, I command you this thing today. What he was saying is, in order for us to have a grateful heart, we must remember where we came from. Do you know it's very difficult to be generous if you haven't first been thankful for what you have? One of the things that I do to maintain gratefulness, I tend to go back and revisit things in my life. See, you, it's hard to be grateful for that nice car you have because you don't remember the, the hoop that you used to have. About a month ago, I drove by my old neighborhood that I grew up at. This was in Dallas, South Oak Cliff. It's rough now. I drove by to look at the first house that my parents raised me in. And right on the side of the road, I began to be thankful. I remember the first car that my wife and I got as a couple. It was a hand-me-down car. It was a Sisu I-, I mark. And uh, 
The uncle who had the car before we had it, my brother gave it to me. It had so many cigarette buttholes in it from him smoking. He covered the seats with those fake wool sheepskin. I look back. That was her name was Betsy. And how we used to drive Betsy, and when Betsy got tired, she stopped wherever she was. We on 635. I'm tired. My wife would call me, babe, Betsy's tired. I said, well, give her a rest. Let's see what happens. I'm thankful. Amen. We started Word of Truth Family Church with 22 people. Last year, 1,150 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. I'm thankful. Some of us are not thankful because we don't remember where He has brought us from. With every head bowed, every eye closed. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And I don't want to stop there. I want you to be real still because there are some decisions that need to be made in this room. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? But here's the next step. What action step is connected to what he's saying? In other words, I want you to know today what he is wanting you to start doing as a result of today's message. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What action step does that require? Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. We need a heart transplant. There are many people, Father, in this room struggling. They're struggling in their marriage. They're struggling, Father, in their relationships. They're struggling, Father, in their financial lives. Because they have not given you their heart. And so right there at your seat. Give the Lord the area of your heart that he does not have. Now there are two people in the room right now. Two sets of people that I want to pray for. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Evan... If my question was, if you died today, would you go to heaven? If you don't know the...